<laughs> that's a singer to enter the show on. Welcome, everybody. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor button. And guess what? It's Thirsty Smurfing Thursday. And uh, and we've got... we. All right, look. There are... You know, some people are like, well, why do you have a homeowner on the show? I thought you'd do shit for pros. I'm like, yeah, okay. But I want you to see the spreadsheet that we're going to look at later today. And, you, <laughs> and, you, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about professionalism. Because one of the one of the fun things about a lot of the homeowners that come on the show is that they are actually highly productive, educated uh, professionals, <laughs> and and the, the great thing about lawn care as a home for me personally is that I was never good at professionalism, right? And so it made sense that I could grow my hair out like a hippie and uh, and leave my shirt untucked and wear my hat backwards all day and go spray lawns because I am not professional and I, I, I severely lack professionalism. That's why I have to come talk on YouTube because it's probably the only place that uh, I can talk the way I do uh, in, in public and, uh, and, and not get the, the type of uh, ass whipping that I probably deserve 98.97% of the time, right? I digress. Uh, we have uh, uh, a, a homeowner on tonight that is going to teach us um, uh, pivot tables and all the other fun skills of advanced <laughs> um, Excel usage, including color coding. And uh, and then maybe at some point through the course of this, after we have our uh, uh, accounting lesson, we'll, we'll move into uh, lawn care at some point. And, uh, and we're not just going to move into lawn care because, again, as we look at this fucking spreadsheet is like we've got lawn care and then and then we've entered the outer dimension uh boys ray and ryan are here alongside with me and we have evie tonight gentlemen how the fuck is everybody doing hey i came in late but guns are blazing um yeah you god did. bless you guys for sitting through that thank you that was uh, ray's audio but- is still having issues Oh, uh, okay. Ray's just going to sit there and smile and nod. We're just going to throw Ray softball <laughs> questions that he is there has to answer yes, no, or expose himself to. And those will be the only acceptable answers. So, Ray, Ray, Ray if you're is safe, going to murder she, someone with a trident. I was going to say, uh, Rob, it's probably because Sheila's making all sorts of noise. You know, she does have uh, prills deep in her catch basin right now. If you haven't followed our, our burner return, well, where, where again, hey, listen. Homeowner Who on are you the show tonight. this time. Oh, <laughs> hey, homeowner on the show tonight, and uh, you know we're not going to go all in in him because uh, I think he's going to go all in in us. So uh, the real question <laughs> is, Evie, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. I'm getting over cold and a foot injury <sighs> again, dude. So, <clears throat> dude, you you have yeah. a foot injury because rough- you broke your foot off of someone's ass, right? right pretty pretty much yeah you know i stuck it so far up i bent it backwards and kind of hurt some of the front part of the ankle there and you know you're supposed to just kick but i kind of went in and twisted and apparently you're not supposed to do that so you know tomorrow i go to the doctor and get a follow-up sometimes you just you got to stick it up there and twist and that's that's all there is to it 
Ray is Ray in Paul's deep conversation, and we can't hear anything he's saying. But I promise <laughs> that what he's sharing over there it's is intelligent, going, is good, is good. Ray, and uh, Ray, try leaving and coming back. Could be violent, but Ray, uh, you know, just try leaving we're okay and coming back with any of it. Uh, Ray, Ray's gonna quick oh, but, do a plug and unplug. Uh, he's he looks like a Lego master over there. Um, I think. Anyway, is it, come on for, back. For those of you that don't know, uh, Evie is up in, uh, I love, <laughs> J-Pink titled this, Live from Canisota. Uh, he is, he is, we joke about Evie's Minnesotan accent because I can't tell if he's Canadian or Minnesotan. Uh, and in fact, I don't think anybody from Minnesota knows whether they're from Canada or Minnesota. It's like all garbledy goop and uh and it's 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 the the the, the prairie sound, sounding Canadian too, you know. It's not it's it's a little bit different than BC. Sure as shit, nothing like Nova Scotia and all the weird stuff that goes on over there. Where they still speak like Irish and French and Gaelic, and uh, I think a couple a couple islands over there still speak Latin, don't they? Now now Demay is mute, and I'm wigging out. What? Oh no, you're yeah. back. You're back. What did you say right there, Demay? I said, have you have you been to Nova Scotia? Uh, no, but I didn't know a guy from there, and uh, oh, okay. and it, it I couldn't understand anything he said. To be honest, like it was, it was like who who are you and where are you from? You're not from this planet. Um. Well, listen, he, he might talk funny, but he keeps a good lawn. He keeps a good lawn. All right. He and did. You're talking about. He did. Well, oh, we're talking about Evie. I thought you were talking about the guy from Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that, oh, that, I don't know that guy, no, he was, he was, he's a fucking moron, to be honest. So we're, so we're going to do that. Uh, yes, Mark Harris, the guy from the South is going to talk about Northern accents because uh, I'm the only one on this panel right here that does not have an accent. So <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll just, we'll just leave it that. Leave it okay, at that. Okay. Yeah, bud. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, what are we talking how are we going to kick this off? E- yeah, Evie, Evie came on before, and we kind of we kind of went through the whole depths of thing, and then he, he is coming on today, and he has prepared documents and documents and shit. So, uh, where do you want to go with this, Evie? I would say fire up the spreadsheet. Um, kind of my whole point take- of coming on today was to talk about fungicides that are for the homeowner to use and not something else that's off label or labeled for golf. So I know in the past, Ryan has shared one of the Ohio state uh, sheets that says it's labeled for residential. Um, And I kind of started there and then I went down the rabbit hole farther and farther and farther and farther and farther and came up with this spreadsheet of, all the available fungicides um, available to homeowners. And so kind of want to go through <clears throat> maybe not, at least not to start off, not necessarily identifying fungus. Um, Cause I think that's its own entirely separate issue. Um, yeah. But if I'd you know you that. have fungus or you can have someone identify it for you that, these are like the fungicides that you could potentially turn to and understanding the nuance between all of these and where some are better or worse than others, or maybe have a specialty case, all that stuff. 
Yeah. Um, There's a lot to so there. It, there, there is. There and is. what I will say, at least right here at the top, what you have listed as far as diseases, 90% of what you're going to see in a residential lawn is covered right here, right? And I love that you even included necrotic ring spot and summer patch in it too, because uh, I don't think about that because we do not have that in the South. <laughs> You're not going to find it nowhere, not once, not ever. Uh, but in, in, as, I, as I have come to learn is that if you are uh, uh, west of the Mississippi, then yeah, you've, you're fucking dealing with it no matter what. There's no way around it. You're going to have to you know, have, have that atop your mind. So um, that is a great point. And I, you know, I, I don't know if we start at the top of this and then, and then work our way cool. down. Um, the, the first thing that I will point out here is if we look at the frack numbers here, do you see the common trend in the frack numbers? Since I have the ultimate uh, the ultimate ability here, I can actually sort by the frac numbers for us too. Well, oh, I was just going to say boy. we are overwhelmingly dominated by threes and elevens, and it's and it's not even close. But, well, but here's the reason why is that a lot of the other chemistries that were label for residential and i'm going to speak for ray because i know exactly what ray is thinking and feeling right now is that a lot of the other good chemistries that we did have for lawn care have gone away over the years partly because well to keep them in other segments and sectors of lawn care specifically and keep them labeled lawn care is definitely a wedge that the epa will definitely drive and say okay manufacturers right technical material or patented material you can keep it in golf or you can keep it in sports turf or sod production or whatever, but lawns got to go, right? So that's one reason that we see this. And the other reason, too, is that from a, from a products that are still here and available, right, there's still a, a reasonable amount of uh, development that's taking place in the DMI space. There's a new DMI that came out uh, two years ago now, three years ago, um, Maxima. Uh, which is uh, a BASF product, I believe. BASF repair, Envu. Anyway, um, a pretty novel DMI that does not have the same growth regulating properties that um, the older DMIs have, right? So the thing is, is that what we see here too with the uh, strobularians, like the group 11s, you're, you're also going to find here that um, a lot of development's taking place in that. So there's just not a lot of chemistry, like in terms of families, that they're, people are pushing out on. What else is available right now is the group sevens, right? So the SDHIs mm -hmm. are incredibly effective, but also, you know, it can, right, uh, be a little bit more expensive uh, up front, right? Their cost per uh, area, and I'll be interested to go over and look at that, right, on the cost per unit of measure, right? So not necessarily the, the upfront dollars, which is going to be high, but their cost per, you know, thousand or cost per acre uh, and what you get out of that. So big picture, I love this. And I think what you can do and what the next thing to do is layer in, you know, how we how we uh, program different fungicides. Right. Because a, a, a couple things, a couple things. Uh, first, Lawn Flip asked, what does the frack number mean? Mode of action. Yes. We, okay. and, and I think an oversimplified way to put that is is mode of action. A very basic 
way to yeah. say that. Look, Aldo came in, the Fungicide Resistance Action Committee uh, is going to be how they specifically segregate these based on um, uh, even more so than mode of action. It would be like site of action, I think, would be, would be more accurate. Um, uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to say specifically about this concern for resistance, and I want to highlight that there's something beautiful about this industry that you learn something new every fucking day, right? Um, this is what I learned. And I don't know if this same thing pertains to, uh, resistant resistance from fungicides versus resistance with herbicides. Okay. Why, why we are seeing resistance is not a mutagenic response to fungicides, not and I'm, I, I, to herbicides. And I want to say this, how wrong I have been about this the entire time that I have studied this. Completely fucking wrong. I did not know until this, just the other fucking day, an agronomist on, uh, on uh, Twitter, actually, who's at Washington State University, uh, Dr. McGuire, is, is the one who, who taught it to me. I thought misapplications of herbicides or uh, or over applications of herbicides would lead towards some sort of mutagenic effect in the plant that would in turn lead to resistance, right? So we're constantly misapplying, we're applying it too close to rain, having a dampened effect and and then therefore some something mutagenic is happening at the uh at the at the dna level and thus we're getting a resistance right that is inherently fucking false what is actually happening is that just through nature itself spreading uh whatever these plants for thousands of fucking years have already had this genetic anomaly that allows it to not succumb to this herbicide. And because we've been using these chemistries, it has allowed those to go ahead and proliferate and move into areas where they weren't normally there. Because of course we have seed movement that takes place all the fucking time, but we're constantly eliminating the varieties that are susceptible to the herbicides we're applying. Then in turn, what ends up happening is that those are the ones that are reproducing and are reproducing at a heavy rate because we're continuing applying the same herbicides and it's not killing them because they've already possessed that thing that allows it to survive. So, and, and that was what I was asking for clarity. I was like, so you mean to tell me that these plants have been around with this unique property for a long fucking period of time, and it's not the result of misapplication of herbicides and blah, 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 because that's what I thought it was. I thought it was us creating it in that way. He's like, no, 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 it's us creating it because they already had the resistance profile it's not that they developed resistance. It's the fact that we've eliminated everything that is susceptible to it. And the only thing that's left are the plants that have this genetic anomaly that allows it to move on. And I was like, that is fucking mind blowing. I don't know. I did not ask. And that's something I should ask Dr. McGuire is does that same thing play with fungicides? And the reason why with herbicides is that herbicides are not mutagenic. They are not affecting uh, uh, plants at the genetic level. So if you're not applying herbicides that are mutagenic, then it's Im- impossible for the herbicide to cause a genetic mutation that's going to lead to this, right? And uh, and so it's natural selection 
via an unnatural method of selection, being that we are unnaturally forcing this selection through the application of herbicides that the overwhelming majority of the plants are susceptible to, but we do have those random genetic anomalies that are no longer susceptible to it, right? Uh, anyway, I thought that was fucking fascinating and it made my head explode. And I wanted to point out that one, I have been wrong about this for a long, 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 long fucking time. And two, that exact same thing may be uh, exactly what we're seeing with disease. And so while we're seeing this concern for resistance high, it's not that these particular fungicides are going to create resistance. It's that these particular fungicides have already eliminated the, uh, the, the presence of, uh, the, uh, 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 spread of the various, you know, rise of bacteria or whatever it is that's, that's uh, existed in our soil. And it's allowed it to move because the susceptible host, uh, or the, uh, the susceptible bacteria or, uh, or fungi has already been eliminated. And that, that is no longer susceptible has been allowed to proliferate. And, uh, and so, you know, where we're seeing this concern for resistance, it may not be that it's actively creating resistance. It's the fact that there's already so fucking much of it out there because we've already hammered out. And remember, we're not going to kill everything in the soil. Not a fucking chance. Not even close. That's why in 28 days, you're back to full fucking populations. Shit, sometimes faster than that. It's like you can go apply an absolute horrifically foul rate of atrazine to the soil, which, which arguably is one of our, our most detrimental properties that you can apply to the soil, or detrimental herbicides that you can apply to the soil. And even at just egregious rates, you're not going to put a dent in the microbiology in the soil. You just fucking can't. It's too diverse. It's too extreme. It's too monumental. It's too much nature. <laughs> okay. And we're, we're attempting to manipulate and, mod and uh, 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 exhibit some sort of control over nature, but really we're just hanging on to the reins, right? Nature's the one who's directing us where to go, but we're just trying to give it a little uh, nudge one way or the other to make sure not everything gets uh, 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 thrown, thrown off the, the saddle, right? Anyway, I'm sorry for the super long explanation because, it, but I, I felt like I had to say that because one, I was so egregiously wrong for so long. And two, I think it completely fucking changed the way I think about resistance from this point forward. Yeah, I think there's two things. Um, is, is Ray trying to talk? Is he muted still? Yeah, he is. He, and okay. I think he's ignoring Discord because I keep messaging. You may him, you may have to reboot. reboot Ray and check and see if you are muted on Vmix on Vmix. But you you may have to refresh your browser. Um, what I was going to say is the um. Uh, two two things to your point. So the the first thing that I was reading was that, um. Either the misapplication or applications of some of these fungicides that maybe won't you don't do the correct rate maybe for a curative um those those sort of things where you don't fully kill the active um fungus that's when the opportunity for resistance um comes into play is that then it's been exposed to these fungicides over and over and over and that's when the resistance builds over time um when it's not fully actually taken care of 
Um, mm-hmm. And one of the points <clears throat> to that, I want to say was, I thought I had read was Zoxy Strobin used to be available for dollar spot in like the seventies. Uh, Evie. Hey, uh, back. Okay. Yes. Okay. Azoxy Strobin was never particularly effective on dollar spot, but that had some is, no, it has minimal effect because the truth is, is that most of the strobular and fungicides at best are suppressive of low levels of dollar spot inf- infection in ca- because I'm looking through, you know, your nice spreadsheet that you put together and most of the strobilurins have very minimal effect on dollar spot. Like I know phloxostrobin and pyroclostrobin, they're considered minimally suppressive. In other words, you can use phloxostrobin and pyroclostrobin without causing dollar spot to flare. Whereas when people are applying azoxystrobin, I always advise usage of azoxystrobin with a DMI or else a group 7 fungicide that is effective on dollar spot otherwise what will happen is that azoxystrobin will cause the dollar spot to literally jump out and flare so it's you know and and to speak to your point that is a case of for whatever reason depending on what fungicides you use you can literally select and alter the overall fungal population in an area like for azoxy my fear on that one is if you use it and you're not aware of that you can give yourself dollar spot same is true of this one group seven fungicide called flutolanil also known as prostar if you use prostar without being aware of how it does not control dollar spot, you can get yourself into huge trouble. So if I were to ever apply ProStar, I keep that in mind at all times. You know, I'm I'm very aware of which diseases a particular fungicide is effective on, which diseases it's not effective on, because the same is true where I would never use paraclostrobin by itself either. I wouldn't do it because that is literally risking selection for dollar spot that is not susceptible to the paraclostrobin, and then I've got real trouble on my hands. So... So Matt was talking earlier about selection and selection is also fostered by, as you mentioned, uh, when my mic was acting up, 
Selection is also fostered by bad or ineffective applications. Because like the rules that I've always lived by as far as weeds, insects, or diseases is that if I'm going to treat, I'm going to try to make sure that my application absolutely, totally works the first time. No exceptions. And yep. if it means that I, I got to do what I have to do to make that application work, then that's what has to be done. Okay. There's an important point there, Ray, that I want to make sure we highlight. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we get so bent out of shape and I get so bent out of shape because yeah. the difference is big picture, and I'm going to try to take it down to as small pictures as I can. Thing is, is yeah, you've got diseases that you worry about in warm season, but to the extent more of your issues in warm season are going to be weeds, right? More of our mm, issues yes. in cool season are going to be diseases, particularly in summertime. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's that mm -hmm. that is the continental divide, and that's why the transition zone is so tough because you're getting fucked by both ends, right? You get screwed by both. Yeah, turf grass pests are, and even on the southern end of the transition zone, Eastern like Tennessee. We don't we don't deal with dollar spot here, like on cool season grass, mm. not really a fucking thing, because mm. of, because the window is so short with the weather. Like that's the thing is that you don't have you don't build up enough inoculum, or you might have enough inoculum, but you don't get yeah. enough pressure weather wise. So here's the big picture that I want to say is that so starting with what Ray just said, right? The issue of not correctly identifying the disease that you have and then applying the correct product to control that disease the risk you run is that inoculum for all these diseases is out there and present right so real quick I, I, jesus i'm gonna go uh hang on a second let me send this to uh j pink and we're gonna start at the very beginning because you know what man this this could be a long one boys i could be here all night <laughs> hey, hey, wait, I, and this is it's i I, good I, stuff. I love this stuff i have a couple oh, links uh, wait, 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 wait. I mean, this is, calendar. I thought, when, when's the part? Oh, okay. That when do we tear down, when do we get to tear down the homeowners? When do we get to tear down the homeowners and, and tell them how bad of a job they're doing, Matt? I'm here to punch down. shows that can be on this time? Mm. Hey. Listen, that never happened. This, no, this was my <laughs> junior year plant pathology class. I saw this. I saw this slide. All right. <laughs> this. <laughs> This is the most basic thing. If you're a homeowner, if you're a pro, I don't care who you are. And if you're trying to control plant diseases on any crop, you need to understand this, right? We need three things all to come together to create plant disease that's going to be commercially destructive. Something that we're going to notice and be pissed off about, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have to have a virulent pathogen, meaning a pathogen that is ready to do what it wants to do, right? That we don't want it to do. We need to have a susceptible host, right? So whatever plant, whatever species that we have, something that's going to be susceptible to that particular pathogen, right? So for instance, right, dollar spot on Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah, absolutely could happen. Large patch on Kentucky bluegrass does not happen, okay? So understanding your pathogen is key, right? And understanding what host that it might affect is also key. The last thing we need is a favorable environment for disease to develop. Without those three things, you will not have this happen. So this is part of the reason that we get so pissed off about people saying, oh, you got to apply this fungicide right now because it's spring. And they're, you know, you've got large patch on your zoysia grass that 
happened fucking six months ago and there's really not a whole lot you're going to do with it by making an application of pillar g or whatever the hell you want to buy from golf Wars lawn academy love you ron mm -hmm. um but the thing here is that what what ray was saying here is that if you incorrectly apply the if you select the wrong product and you apply that all you're doing is inoculating that host right or no, excuse me that that pathogen with a rate of something else right that it doesn't need or doesn't want to see or doesn't need to see at that time because it's not active but what you are doing is building resistance in that way right so let's just say that dollar spot is not active right and i apply uh a dmi right i'm mm -hmm. training that fungus right that in time in time it could become resistant to dmis right so you've got to be careful with that right um and and work on that part all right so anyway back to this this is really important too as far as the products that we have available and everything like that the things i want to go through though is j pink go ahead real quick i want to go back to one thing that uh ray was talking about jump back to that that slide there you go right there up oh, oh, the other one let's look at the table first nope the other one there we go let's look at that one first okay so again this goes to the point of frac codes okay so when we look at this table, what they wanted to do, it, you know, Ray was talking about the strobularans, right? So the group 11 fungicides, okay? These ones are all in the same frac code, right? They all have generally the same and the same mode of action, same site of action roughly, right? But they'll work a little bit different when they get to that site or they work on a slightly different part of that site. So for instance, insignia, which is prolactin right? It's labeled for suppression of dollar spot, not control. Heritage has been proven over the years in, in, in research studies and field trials that it can actually enhance the dollar spot pathogen to make it even worse, right? And so what they were looking at is, okay, how effective are these strobularans, right? Or how much more could they enhance a certain pathogen when we apply them? So it's a really interesting table here. If you look at the non-treated control, right? All right, now it's statistically insignificant between these two because we see the letter A between both this heritage and non-treated control but it's a little bit higher right so that's interesting on the july 29th date that we're seeing more and then the same thing just a little bit more but still certificate statistically insignificant over here um on the august 20th but june 29th right we're in this thick of dollar spot season up in uh wisconsin which is where this was done it is statistically different right on heritage versus non-treated control so that's interesting to see the other thing here is like i said insignia right so pyacrostrobin we're supposed to get some uh some suppression with that particular chemistry even though it's a group 11 fungicide just like heritage is right so this is the point here is to show that you do have different modes of action right or different excuse me sites of action even within the same frac code and different uh risk profiles of diseases with treated with different fungicides even within the same frac code can be different so knowing these products and knowing what pathogen you're up against is a really really important choice to make the last thing to show you down here is the bottom you got the two biggest hitters, the two heavyweights in the dollar spot fight, Lexicon and Exemplar down here at the bottom. And go look at that July 29th date, Ray. They're expensive yep. fungicides to buy up front, but they shut that shit down. No, I'm, night, you know what, Brian? You know what I'm looking at? Okay. I'm looking at the August 20th because, first of all, August mm -hmm. 20th is my mm -hmm. birthday. And also, I'm <laughs> looking at the low severity of dollar spot on those plots treated with the lexicon and exemplar versus the mm -hmm. other plots that were treated with either heritage or compass or disarm or insignia by itself because for our listeners 
lexicon is a combination of the active ingredients in insignia and exemplar. So that is, as Ryan says, a super expensive fungicide, but if you need it and you truly need it, it can work wonders for you. But look at how low the disease incidence is on August 20th. That is pretty darn good for two months later, Ryan. Don't you agree? Well, and so, uh, exactly. So to this point, and we'll come back to this later and talk about this, but this is why, well, number one, the shit that works is expensive, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, why you should identify the disease that is the baddest MF on the block for you mm-hmm. in your lawn or your lawns that you have on your route or whatever the case might be and deal with that one fully and then worry about the rest as they come right so we'll talk about that approach here in a little bit all right jump over real quick and i want to let evie jump in here too so evie what i want to talk about here with you specifically right this is uh, a, a a table from purdue that is pretty accurate to the midwest like in minnesota you might slide this over by about two to three weeks but it's pretty accurate as far as uh the months and how things lay out and all this is is just showing on a you know on a table basis the uh, the risk profiles and how those risks ebb and flow throughout the year with different diseases, right? So look at Dollar mm-hmm. Spot for example, right? Where it flares up, you know, it's pretty much you know not really active in April, but boom, you know, right about this time mm-hmm. or a couple of weeks ago, we're in Dollar Spot season here in the Midwest. Now we haven't had really Dollar Spot weather. Now we're cranking up in this coming week. Here, we're going to be pretty close to dollar spot territory as far as weather. We're going to be right in the mid 80s, right? And just above 60 at night. And man, dollar spot loves to eat, right? It loves to eat in that type of weather. So, people that are freaking out and saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm worried about I might have, you know, brown patch. I might have this, I might have that. Well, let's check the weather and see what you got first to work with. And this is a lot of this is based on historical averages and weather and things like that. But Things ebb and flow month to month, week to week, even day to day, and reading those conditions and how they're going to ebb and flow with disease characteristics, you have to make a choice between either just dealing with one disease and worrying about that and whatever else might happen, hey, no no harm, no foul, dealing with the weather and making different product choices based on what you see coming up forecast-wise, or you go balls deep and you just say, listen, I'm going to make sure I don't have anything and I'm going to spray and pray with the most expensive shit I can get and not get messed up by anything. And that's a really expensive and almost improbable proposition for any professional lawn care operator or a DIYer. So the first two are probably more on the table and which path you go down is really, really important. So when you look at this, Evie, in your particular situation or what you see, because you talk to a lot of people, you offer a lot of advice, and honestly, just real quick aside, Evie is one of the people in this community that we have, right? We have a real community. We have people that talk to each other, not just comment and, you know, share things back and forth and lovey-dovey comments and jerk each other off. Um, I mean, if you want to get jerked off, you have to come to Louisville in October. That, those, are, those are special times. But <laughs> it's highly probable. The, the thing that I like about Evie, it's, yeah, I mean, dry prison style, no nothing. It's, it's real. It's like high school. Um, mm-hmm. But no, Evie... To that point, and hand jobs is a great segue for Evie here, is uh, he is a person that has grown immensely 
in the five years that I've known him on this channel and on uh you know our Discord server and everything else in terms of growing and building his knowledge and not just doing it for himself, but so that he can help others. And whether that, you know, he he needs feels a need to do that or he does that, you know, just because or whatever, it is so fucking uh satisfying to watch that shit happen. Auto's another one we we we've stroked auto off too. We use spit with him. Um it's just bigger, it's easier to handle like that. Um but the whole point is is that it, it's cool to see this. So that being said, with those when you look at that table Evie, my question is to you is which of these affects you the most and minnesota is not an area where i would be super worried about disease but the last three or four summers that you guys have had have been really weird for minnesota Mm -hmm. but from your perspective in the twin cities and then your more global perspective and talking to people throughout the midwest and the country what do you see are some of the ones that really trip people up as you're looking at it and trying to identify things um i mean we can start kind of beginning of the year obviously with minnesota we're going to be dealing with snow mold whether that's a big issue for you or not um for me it's really not and i know that it's mainly just cosmetic so well it might appear like a big issue i don't necessarily consider it an issue um red Thread, I think, is pretty rare. I was kind of asking the Discord earlier uh, from some other pros that see lots of lawns that they get high pressure. And it's one of those things where you can just kind of work around it using um, your best management practices versus trying to treat for it. Um, Dollar spot, depending on your grass type, definitely can flare up. I would say that's probably one of the more common ones I'd see. Um, but the, I mean, immediately the big two is going to be brown patch, especially on tall fescue, um, and leaf Mm -hmm. spot, um, for just cool season in general. Um, anything else kind of, yeah, I I guess gray leaf spot falls in that as I loop those two together. Mm -hmm. But, um, if you have something like pythium, it tends to be very site specific or conditions are right or extra, you know, too much watering summer patch. You're going to know if you've had it in the past or if you don't, you'll know in the future. Um, same thing with uh, like necrotic ring spot or um, take all patch, uh, any of like the patch root kind of um, fungus. Um, and rust I know is, a thing that kind of flares up at the end of the summer here, but I always just ignore it and you clean off your mower and your shoes and move on with your day. If you really wanted to treat it, you can, but it's honestly not that big of an issue. Um, yeah, the, the, the three really that I say for homeowners, um, you're, you kind of will know if you have some of those specialized cases, but the three would be, um, brown patch, Leaf spot or gray leaf spot, and then probably uh, dollar spot. So all like the leaf kind of fungus tends to be the ones that you see most commonly. And also, I should say, most commonly confused with potentially other symptoms. Sure. So, right. the, <laughs> uh, all right, let's just take these one at a time. And I think, I think 
let's talk about these three and then let's dive into what some other people might face and some of these other ones that I think are important to highlight as uh, ringers that could really fuck your shit up really quick and you you don't want to deal with those guys. The, the guys in the dark alley, you know, a- after dark. Um, yep. So first, with, with Leaf Spot, you know, the thing there is that it, it's going to be something that if you really, really want to deal with it, you can. But a lot of times, and Minnesota is a little bit different because I think the reason you see it as a more prevalent disease is because your weather hangs in there in that, you know, perfect type of weather for it for a lot longer period than we yeah. might hear in, say, Ohio or in Point South and all that. So, again, that is a region-specific thing based on weather, whereas, you know, our dollar spot window here in Ohio is much wider, but our leaf spot window is, you know, shorter. It's the yep. inverse up there in the Twin City. So I think knowing where you live and those different pathogens and how that works is one thing. Um, you know, again, leaf spot is something that I don't get too worked up about. But again, if you need to, uh, strobularans are going to be a, a, a good option in that case, uh, generally speaking. Now, gray leaf spot, very different, right? So if we take a look, where is uh, gray leaf spot on this uh, slide? Oh, there it is. Right down it's there it's down oh, two from yeah, the bottom. Um, yeah, three from the bottom there. Yeah, so gray leaf spot, you know, really where you're going to see this in cool season is predominantly on ryegrass, right? You might see it on tall fescue. The documented cases, I mean, I can think, I think last year, the turf grass disease lab here at Ohio State had well over 800 samples they had one that was gray leaf spot on tall fescue so it does happen yep. but it's very rare so again if you have ryegrass that would be then again knowing that you have a susceptible host versus if you have bluegrass you will not have gray leaf spot right it's impossible it does not affect that particular species okay so in terms of that and i'll jump back to it here in a second and how to deal with that right i just talked about susceptible host uh brown patch right so you talked about brown patch this is where you know you've got a couple of different choices right and this would be an interesting one to tease out with your cost per acre or cost per thousand basis is you know actually i think uh j farm who's in our group as well he and i talk about this all the time you know how much do you spray versus do you just let it you know do your best and then you got to oversee it at the end of the year and matt would tell you the yep. same thing tall fescue in east tennessee it's a choice <laughs> You go preventative, mm-hmm. you might get screwed, you might still have to overseed, or Matt, sometimes you just say, listen, it's going to look like shit June, July, and August. We'll come back here, we'll do an overseeding in September, and we'll grow it back. It'll look great all fall and all spring, and summer, or fall, winter, and spring, and then it's going to suck dick again. Can I say that? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, do whatever. You drink are Bud drinking Light. Bud Light, so I think it's okay. Yeah. Uh, we got We got Target. <laughs> Branded stuff around here too, just for funsies. Uh, oh, I'm sure man. someone's gonna cry over that. It's just a joke. Yeah, it's just a joke. Yeah. Uh, the um, it, a couple of things I was gonna say is that yes, uh, it, here in East Tennessee with the brown patch thing, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's always a battle. It's not a matter of when. It's uh, it's not a, ba- a matter of if. It's when. And, uh, and, you know, I think and one of the things actually Paul's prime cuts, uh, uh, alerted me on this was, um, was gray leaf spot. Now he's chiming in now about gray leaf spot. And that was one of the things I saw last year too, is, uh, uh, at the end of the season, when you think you're all clear and you're into aeration and overseed time and you're like, I made it boys, mm-hmm. all of a sudden 
Gray Leaf spot was smoking stuff. And I saw uh, dudes in East Tennessee, just across mountain range in North Carolina. And of course, you know, Paul's closer to the coastal North Carolina. And, uh, and, and he highlighted this to me years before I actually started seeing it to the severity that it was. And I, and when I say like unbelievable, like new seed, everything gone, smoked, done. And then now you're in a super tight window to get it reestablished. And that is really a new thing that we're seeing. And that's a great point that like, okay, so if you, what I was going to say is that Paul makes a great point and he's in a much different climate than what Evie is. But again, it shows how one, how important climate is an opportunity, right. For those pathogens to be what we call virulent. That's, you know, they're in a position that they can strike and potentially cause damage. Right. Even though they're there all year, it doesn't mean shit until, you know, for example, on a gray leaf spot, you know, here in Ohio, late August, probably for Paul, mid-September. And the other thing to highlight, too, is that while it's species dependent, there's also another variable, right, that goes into it that, you know, uh, mature tall fescue, you aren't going to see it much. Juvenile tall fescue, though, stuff that's just been mm-hmm. seeded and coming up absolutely is a prime target, right, to get just completely smoked, Okay. So those are things to think about, too, is just where you're at. And this isn't to make it complicated. I think the point is to highlight, like, why from a, from a lawn care perspective, right, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, the, probably the most basic thing that you can focus on, right, is one, just learning disease ID. If something comes up, right, and you notice a pattern, hey, I get this every year about this time, it might be time to deal with that particular disease, right? If you see something, hey, I saw this three years ago, you know, it was, it was bad or it wasn't so bad or whatever, understanding what that is and how you might treat for that and understanding the the weather that preceded that and went into that period, right, is important to know. And I think that, you know, in these settings, right, where we're talking about, okay, there's all these different variables, just focus on one, focus on the baddest and baddest MFR on the block for whatever it is, your location, and just deal with that one first and deal with it well. And if something else comes up and bites you, like, hey, you know, you you take your lumps and you go home and you reseed and that's what it is, you know. But a lot of these things, too, I mean, outside of uh, gray leaf spot, pythium, probably summer patch to a certain extent, if you're on Kentucky bluegrass, you know, these diseases aren't so destructive that you're not going to recover from them, right? Um it, so that's the other part too, is like, which ones are really, really bad. And we can kind of go through that too. Um, you know, so the other part here too, I would say is Evie, when you see people asking for advice, you know, how often is it that they're just making an application of something to make an application of a fungicide? Something. <laughs> Pretty common no am i still here yeah we can hear you we got you um i would say uh i mean if i had to put a number it'd probably be like 50 50 um and probably the biggest really um the pig the the biggest product like single product if i had to say would be um Scott's disease X. It's like, oh, I'm seeing something. I gotta go put out Scott's disease X. It's disease. It's not mm-hmm. any other 
fungicide or product. It's that single product alone that I see like overused and doing something for the sake of doing something because you think it'll help cure or prevent whatever tiny thing you're seeing or think that is going to be around your corner. Um, a lot, if someone's getting into any other spraying fungicides, it's much less common that they're going to be doing something for the sake of doing something. I mean, it can still happen, but, um, the ease of that product and the availability of that product really seems like it allows it to be overused compared to the rest. And even- I always intend on bringing this up in the sp- in in the spring, mm-hmm. like right now, late spring, early summer, and I always forget. Uh, and I'll mention it once in passing. And I need to absolutely hammer this home. One of the most common reasons I see fungicide applied in an incorrect way is because they see Poa annua or Poa trivialis checking out in their yard due to the heat, and they think it's disease and they start spraying fungicide. And if you look at this chart, you got to think late May through June is when you're going to see that checking out. And so you're going to get a lot of overlap with dollar spot. Think, uh, uh, Poa is a clumping grass, right? It makes sense that you would think it was dollar spot. Uh, it's going to overlap with all the shit, even red thread is you're going to see some strange colors out of the Poa when it, yep. when it starts to die out. I've checking seen that out. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I, you'll see, uh, Poe Trivialis turn purple, uh, yep. before, like you'll get these real elongated, weird stems. It almost looks like fucking, uh, what's a uh, torpedo grass in a miniature form, right? Where it gets real stimmy. It's like, man, what is that? I've seen people lighten that up with fungicide or having to apply, uh, phosphorus to it because of, of whatever reason. I'm going to challenge people right now. If you have Poe Trivialis in your yard, go flag it. Go flag it, create an outline, however it is you have to do it, flag it. So that way, as you move through the season and you see it start checking out, you're not applying a fungicide for Poet Trivialis that's dying back for the season. Stop fucking doing that because it, it's, it's easy to do. I don't want to, if I bring it up because I've made this mistake, I am 100% guilty of it. But stop fucking doing that. Now you know, go market. Make a make a note, write it on a sheet of paper, use a flag, however you have to do it, and stop fucking doing that because there's probably 10 times the amount of fungicides that need to be applied that uh, are, are misapplied simply because it's poetrivialis that's checking out and we think it's a disease. It's dying. And I got to kind of highlight something else too is that, and this segues back to that nice chart that Ryan DeMe or you, EV supplied in that azoxystrobin can actually make your dollar spot far worse. So that is why I have hesitations about people, anytime they see a little brown spot in their lawn, they start spreading Scott's disease X. And there's one more hazard or risk from overusing or misusing azoxystrobin in that that can also create species or strains of pisium disease 
that are actually resistant to the azoxystrobin. And the reason why that can happen is when you spread that azoxystrobin granule, you're literally saturating the soil with azoxystrobin. And by doing that, you're selecting for strains of Pythium that are resistant to being killed by azoxystrobin. So this is a case of correctly identifying the disease that you're, you know, you think you have, and then applying the correct treatment for it and applying that treatment in a way that it is effective. Uh, because in another time, what if I told you all that Scott's disease X was not as oxystrobin in another time? What it yeah. was, was, was thiophanate methyl. Thiophanate methyl, yeah. Yeah, and the good part about it being thiophanate methyl TF. is that thiophanate methyl wouldn't affect Pythium. However, it would do a pretty good job on dollar spot. That was its that was its good point. Its bad point is is that thiophanate methyl. Okay, go ahead. Thiophanate methyl is horrible or not that effective on leaf spotting diseases, and it's also not my first choice for prone patch type diseases either. I mainly consider T-methyl you know like as using a, all those. Oh, go ahead. I, I usually consider it more like a dollar spot and a powdery mildew type fungicide if I were to use thiophanate methyl. I'd kind of use it, save it for those diseases. It, it, it's a good... It's a good tank partner, and I think that's the other mm. part, too, from I think we're talking about strategic level stuff, right? And we can get down mm -hmm. to the tactical here in the second part mm -hmm. of the show. So I think from a strategic level part is Matt preaches this on herbicides, and it's absolutely true uh, when it comes to um, you know building out a fungicide program that deals with risk of whether it be uh, seasonally how you ebb and flow through all those diseases, like what we saw on that chart, or if you're just like, again, I'm going to single one out, maybe two, and I'm just going to go after mm -hmm. those and whatever else happens, happens. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to deviate from that plant. And I think that that's where, you know, having two chemistries in the tank at all times. And, you've, you know, we've seen this as an industry, right? So if you're a pro and you're really deep into the fungicide world, you know, you've seen uh, companies, fungicide companies. And again, this is a Matt Martin. This is why Matt's in the south and I'm in the north. This is my pet peeve up here. His is. Companies that take two different chemistries and herbicides, put them together in the same product, water them down a little bit and be like, man, we got this new product. Take a look. And, you know, Matt Martin, Mr. Roll Your Own is over there being like, bro, I went down to the smoke <laughs> shop. I've, I've, I've rolled my own for years on that shit. Like, don't, don't try to tell me that this is some kind of different kind of wacky tobacco, like bullshit. Kiss my ass. Yeah. Same thing yeah, on fungicides, right? So, you know, they're, yeah. but they're, they're doing a good service because they're making it easy to apply. Right. And they're making it easy for the vast majority of their consumers and customers that use it to just say, yeah, pillar. Sure. That's a good idea. I mean, shit, Lexicon, probably one of the best, like probably right now, as far as cool season. And I, I can't speak to warm season because I only use it once a year on warm season, but it's five hundred and fifty dollars an acre. It is extremely expensive. 
but the shit works and it's the top of the food chain because it's got two different uh chemistries in it that are just lights out good pyroclostrobin right and uh oh what am i missing here ray help me out oh the the pentheopyrid fluoxapyrid yeah the fluoxapyrid yeah the all right so yeah all right so oh go ahead go ahead so the uh thing about these uh mixes is that they are literally taking out some of the brain work that would otherwise be done by a responsible and competent applicator because i know you all on the discord have heard me say if you are treating for disease and you're in a situation where you have high disease pressure what do i tell everybody cover for dollar spot cover for brown patch cover for for leaf spot and if you have a sensitive turf grass like say zoysia or ryegrass what i also say make sure you're covering for pythium as well because and and the reason why pythium is a tricky one and i do want to talk about that at the tactical level but go ahead ahead. yeah but then the reason why i'm like this about you know diseases and the need to make sure any bases are covered is because at least on residential and landscape turf we lost use of a rather effective broad spectrum fungicide which is Mancozeb. Hmm. Okay, yep. we lost oh, use of that. Yeah, great contact, okay. right? Like, okay, and, 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 and the yeah. reason why it's... I ca- I call it a pretty, I want it, to me, I consider it a rather valuable product because it would cover for brown patch, it would cover for leaf spots very well, and would also cover for pythium to a degree, not perfect. But it would cover for it, huh? and so that's that's where I know Ryan has told me that Mancozeb, if you can use it, is very good for situations where you have Pythium there as well. You know, it's a good thing to have. But if you are predominantly worried about dollar spot, then you have to lean towards this other broad spectrum contact fungicide that's also not legal for landscape and residential turf chlorothalonil <laughs> i yeah, said the, the c word i was gonna say <laughs> and that's, I, that's the other one you that said the c word and, and i think <laughs> unfortunate about uh not having homeowner use is the fact that it tends to be pretty good but it's not for homeowner use um, and there's a good reason for it not to be for homeowner use because I think the why reason why I mentioned Mancozeb first is because overall the toxicity of Mancozeb is a lot lower than chlorothalonil. Yeah. Okay. Chlorothalonil is actually one of those few chemicals that I'm actually allergic to. I'm actually allergic to that stuff. And I found that out when a solution leaked through my PPE and 
I took off the gloves and I had hives where it leaked through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad day. <laughs> yeah. So, not not good. I, I think something else then to highlight too, it, and the last thing I just want to say at a strategic level is, you know, and we'll talk about this more in the tactical approach, but trying to manipulate that disease triangle, that's what we're trying to do, right? And the things that we have the most control over, right, are going to be the pathogen because we can do things to manipulate that pathogen, right, using fungicides. And we can also do things to manipulate a susceptible host, right, by planting, for example, you know, gray leaf spot resistant varieties of ryegrass or brown patch resistant, and that's a, a relative term, resistant varieties of tall fescue, okay? Those are things that we can we can do. And I think the thing to understand, too, at a strategic level, right? So people talk about, man, this fungicide is really, really expensive. It's this, it's that, the other thing. Okay, I get that. But the other thing that you need to look at, too, when you're evaluating this in a big picture sense, right? The cost of the fungicide plus your, whatever, 20 minutes to apply it, right? Mix, spray, clean up. I don't know. Let's just say it's a, that's the average lawn. Let's say it's an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That hour of your time multiplied times, let's just say like five applications through the entire summer. So five hours, okay? Versus now I've got a yard that's been ravaged by something that's completely fucked my shit up and I've got to go out there and reseed it. So I've got the cost of seed. I've got the cost and time of my own time to go back out there and reestablish it. I maybe lose use of part of the yard. I can't let the dogs go over there. My wife's bitching at me. The kids want to roll around in the mud and then come in the house and shit's all fucked up. So again, <laughs> the cost of fungicides, while expensive in the short term, might unfuck a lot of problems that you have down the road, right? In terms of time and money and loss of use of certain parts of your yard. So again, that's just a consultant to me trying to get you to spend more money, Evie, but it's true. And I hate people spending more effort than they need to just to do something, you know, because they're on a budget or something like that. Uh, so yeah. the other part of this is, um, let's, let's get down to the tactical level because there, dude, there's so much. And somebody asked the question in the chat. I'm not sure who it was. Hey, is there some way you can fertilize that of this disease or that disease? So let's talk about, you know, uh, cultural ways, right. To attack certain diseases, right. That maybe don't involve fungicides that you should definitely check the box and doing, if you know that this is one of your issues, right? So for instance, let's just take dollar spot one that you mentioned, right, that could occur up there in Minnesota, certainly one that is prevalent in the Midwest, right? And we know, hey, there's there's some decent chemistries we can spray in terms of DMIs, but those have some negative effects, especially as we go into the heat of the summer, right when dollar spot season is sort of kind of at its tail end. And it could be a little bit dicey to go out there with like a two ounce rate of propiconazole and just wax that yard. Matt's done it before. He's seen it turn that weird color of orange that you're like, yeah, Oops. that's uh, not rust. Count. Yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's DM that's DMI growth regulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's DMI Mrs. growth Jones, regulation. Did you go get a spray tan and roll around the yard again, you bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to oh. do that. Yeah, yeah. I like to see you in your uh, natural pale, pasty white state when I come over to teach your lawn. Mmm, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know Matt said those words before. Shoot, oh, sorry, Mrs. Jones. Uh, yes, um, you're a beautiful shade of white. So, I think from a uh, like that, Canel, a standpoint right? of making those applications right versus 
Well, yeah, you can, I mean, <laughs> Dak, you know, paint it white, sleep at night. That's the old saying on the golf course, buddy. Uh, and trust mm-hmm. me, I've, I've, I've mentioned it before on this show numerous times. I have sprayed literal tons, dozens of tons of dry flowable chlorothalonil uh, without proper PPE, which PPE actually might be a future segment here, not this week, but next week on Jono's Turf. So just beware of that. I'll just tease that out a little bit. But anyway, uh, no, that's, there's a reason why that's not labeled for turf anymore. Okay, so get back to Dollar Spot real quick. Let's take all the fungicides off the table, everything like that. Here's the one thing we know about Dollar Spot from research, right? I don't care how much fungicide you have. There's actual research on this. Uh, Ohio State's done this. I'm pretty sure Paul Koch at University of Wisconsin has done this, where when they do a fungicide trial, the other thing they'll do is go and do varying rates of urea, right? So they'll do like a tenth, an eighth, and maybe a quarter pound every week or every two weeks, right? And just show... The, the difference between if you have, so a typical, a, a textbook leaf content, tissue leaf content of nitrogen is 6%. So I take a leaf of grass and I dry it down and I figure out, okay, how much nitrogen is actually in here on a dry weight basis? Should be about 6%. That's textbook. In real life, three, four, five, something like that is actually true. Okay. Now, what we know, though, is that above, I think it's uh, 4.2, 4.3, something like that is the critical value for dollar spot for incidents to become rapidly decreasing, right, as we go above that critical value, okay? And certainly as we approach. Now, there's other diseases, though, and here's the kicker, right? Folks are like, oh, I just need to up my nitrogen. Everything's fine. Well, yeah, you can do that, and dollar spot season leads directly into pythium season, which loves <laughs> juiced up leaves that have lots of high <laughs> nitrogen content. And that's where this balance comes in, folks. And that's why there's no single one product that you're going to apply and make all your ills go away. That's why all these YouTube experts that get on here, and we're not experts. We've just done a lot of shit and fucked up a lot of stuff. And the point that we're trying to make here is that it is a very complex issue to just thread the needle. And it's a really, really, really bad take, driver, to go out there and Ron Henry to go out there and just say, well, yeah, if you just apply this, then everything's going to be fine. Love you, driver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, seriously, the other points here yeah. is that, go ahead, please. Okay. You know, growing out a disease via nitrogen, yes, that can work for red thread. Yes, that can work for dollar spot. However, do keep in mind, as Ryan said, there's pisium. Pisium likes nitrogen. Other diseases that like nitrogen are brown patch, mm-hmm. gray leaf spot, and regular leaf spot. So it's a matter of, you know, pr- professionally, what I do is I don't necessarily lean into this idea that if I'm excessive with the fertilizer all my problems are solved it's more like a matter of we'll keep the grass green we'll keep the grass healthy but at no time are we going to just overdo and juice up the grass knowing that in the case of something like dollar spot maybe you need to do a little bit of both because a common practice for me if mm-hmm. I am faced with dollar spot is imagine this tank mix, folks. Exteris feature and some triple twenty. 
And do you know why? <laughs> why that particular combination? <laughs> why? Why? Because naturally, Exterus is a very good fungicide for dollar spot, effective at fairly low rates. Number two, it's iron baby. And, and manganese and nitrogen are helpful in instances of dollar spot because that, uh, that nitrogen and micronutrient nutrition is very helpful because do you know why I'm such a micronutrient fan or fanboy? Hmm. It is because color, color, right? once no, because you once I started all the time, right? No. Once I started applying a so chelated, wow. balanced micronutrient formula to my turf areas, I noticed a reduction overall in disease severity. It's not as bad versus if I'm just blasting the nitrogen and spreading and praying and then I get bit in the ass later on by something else. Whereas I, if I just apply apply a low amount of micronutrients all the time, it's not as bad. Of course, turf turf is a little greener, but then I'm not after green. I'm more concerned with keeping the turf relatively free of disease. That's my actual objective. I'm not after color. <laughs> I I will say in the past and, that's and that kind of right. what I saw though with uh, with the nitrogen is you have you know, certain uncle down in Florida that says throw her down and do it on the holidays of Memorial Day. That's this weekend. Go throw it down right before we go <laughs> into ground patch and leaf spot where they start flaring up here. <laughs> so depending on, I, I remember in the past in my last house, some of those, I definitely think that I was fertilizing into the disease. And if I was actually watching my nitrogen rates, then I may have been able to at least maybe not eliminate and and stop Mm -hmm. it altogether, but stop it from becoming a a 20 by 20 patch in my backyard, a Mm. brown patch or something like that. Yeah, And I I just want to say real quick, that goes back. Go ahead, ahead, Matt. You you go ahead to my Billy. (laughs) Okay. No, you fucking go ahead. All right. I was just going to say that if you think you're going to apply micronutrients and not have disease, that is not what Ray said. So before before someone comments that, I just want to point <laughs> that out. That's not what Ray said. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Matt it, took a it's big about, hit of the vape pen before he said that. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. It is not about me saying mentally, that it's a silver bullet because this is all actual IPM, okay? This is actual IPM. This is accounting for... We're talking about severity, not instances. So, yeah, uh, just before someone starts ramming whatever up my asshole. Yeah, yeah. This is not not saying that if you apply iron to the max, you're just going to magically get rid of all of your dollar spot. That's not what I said. What I am saying is that if it shows up, it's not nearly going to be as bad 
as if you were on a different program because there are times when I see a little bit of dollar spot, for example, in the Zoisha, and it's not so bad that I'm running for the fungicides. It's to the point where I can look at it and 100%. say, when it, start, when it stops raining and when the sun comes out, this is going to take care of itself and I don't need to do a damn thing about it. That is what I am after to where I'll see if a brown patch here or a spot there, but it's not to the point where it's growing on me. And as you say, Evie, it's going to take out a 20 by 20 patch of this turf grass. And by the way, do you know what a 20 by 20 patch of dead grass means to me? Should it happen? Dollar bill, yo. It's two thousand fucking dollars. You know, two thousand fucking dollars. If I lose two, excuse me, Ray. I need to fly to China next week to sell my kidney and come back and pay your side bill. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So every BRB, every little bit helps. And so, um, yes, you can. J Pink, do you want to? open up that link that I had sent you and maybe just um, scroll down to any one of those, click on any one of those diseases um, Mm -hmm. and scroll down and you'll see. So this is um, this part of where I got a lot of my info, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm sharing this because I don't want to spend too much more time on best best management practices. Um, But yeah, right where you are, there's cultural control of your best management practices that you can do without any fungicides to try to mitigate your risks of these diseases. Um, and this has, I mean, they have all the diseases on here. So, you know, he's looking at brown patch and it's mentioning your nitrogen there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you go to dollar spot and it's going to mention the exact same thing that you should use roughly 0.5 pounds of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet um, to mitigate that. So this is a, a the the NC State is has great points on the um, best management practices, um, but I kind of want to move onto the chemical control um just because we do it so we have some time to to spend on it all right um welcome if you got them (laughs) there's there's a couple ways um do you have any preferred way of how we start or go about this or if you want to kind of hear some of my notes or sorting it let's hear your notes let's hear your notes of where you want to go and we'll listen we're 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 flexible enough we can go along with anything um you know as long as you just um order from golf course on academy all your chemistry whatever you all can afford um so a couple things uh that i did here so the um the numbers and the color coding that you see here for all the diseases that's going to be coming from uh the nc state um uh, their page, and then also there's a paper by Rutgers and um, Kentucky. University of Kentucky. 
that also does a breakdown of uh, fungicide efficacy. Um, so it's kind of a combination of both those. That's why you get some like half scores or quarters or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, I kind of color coded them. So three, you know, four being excellent or 3.75 being excellent. Three and a half to three is, you know, still good. Two is when you're kind of dipping into the iffy stage and red being probably not the best choice for it. Um, if you scroll to the right, J-Pink, I did a disease efficacy score on that. Um, that's just my own, or that that's just kind of what I was looking at. I'm like, well, a lot of these look really similar. I'm just curious if I sum up my total scores of how each one did. Um, so actually, if I um, sort these real quick, buy oh, that. Oh, I see what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. Sort. Which is which go. is a good. Uh, so it's a. Go- this go is. I did two things. So I did the total score. And then also I did what I consider the home disease score, which that is just the sum of ground patch, dollar spot, and leaf spot. Because um, that's the three that I had mentioned. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you could see you had mentioned Lexicon being the best one out there and bang on it scores the highest out of across <laughs> all the diseases. It's going to hit just about everything um and even for a homeowner it's going to be pretty good but you go just one to the right there the cheapest price i can find for it is 600 bucks a bottle hey so <laughs> you get divorce attorney it's worth it because it works yep yeah it, it so i kind of played be... around with some different <laughs> um scoring methods on how um how to look at them and kind of how to evaluate them. Um, so I kind of did that across. Uh, if I, I'm going to sort this back now by, um, by the group code. So I was looking. Then when, once I added the, uh, that disease score, I was like, okay, well now I can compare. I'm looking at like Trinity and, uh, Turney on group three and they both look very similar across the board you go down the line it's like that looks similar that looks similar and they're both group three um, and so that's kind of why I'd come across this this thing so for for group three kind of my notes were um, Balaton clearly comes out um, better than the rest of them um, and then Trinity and Turney was a little bit behind, followed by uh, Propaganazole, and then Eagle seemed to be a little bit behind, just not as good about, on any single thing uh, compared to that. Um, down to the the group sevens, um, that would be. Um, Valista seemed like that was a particularly good standout that has broad spectrum use. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, while 
the cost didn't seem that ridiculous as well. Um, I know some of the other se- uh, group sevens are pretty good depending on what you're targeting. Um, like exemplar is, you know, obviously it looks great for dollar spot, but um, it doesn't necessarily hit on leaf spot, at least to uh, to my knowledge. No. Um, so no. Um, that's Valista was kind of a standout with the group sevens and then the group 11s um, insignia was clearly in first one that kind of surprised me that I had not previously known or heard much about was um, which actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this deep dive um, was just knowing if I'm missing out on something but fame was one of the standouts that seemed like it performed well on uh, quite a few of them, uh, which fame is uh, fluoxystrobin. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoxy was a little bit behind, um, and Compass and Pinpoint did not seem like they were necessarily worth looking at for a homeowner, unless you're targeting homeowner. a specific thing um and then as far as the combo products lexicon i mean you mentioned it's clearly like the best the best um the one that surprised me more than i thought it would was actually headway um it it stood out as scoring great on a lot of the stuff i mean i know it's just azoxy and propaganazole and it's it mentioned all the time oh yeah Yeah, yeah, Um, it works and I would have thought that they would have been just slightly lower, um, you know, maybe low 20s or something like that. But you compare that to Armada right below that. Um, that's what I've been pointed to by Ray as a good combo product. And uh, compared to Headway, it doesn't quite seem like it's quite as good. But obviously, there's some nuance there in terms of you're just looking. Um, this is just score that's part of the problem of just looking at these total scores if i'm looking at leaf spot armada is actually better than headway in that I, sense um, oh i would but, and this is the thing i would say too real quick on that particular comparison there evie i bet and and i don't know this to be a fact you'd have to go run the data on uh warm season but i would bet you it's inverted it's the other way around on warm season that armada is actually better because tritomephrin which is uh a uh, Bailaton is a far and it's going away too, unfortunately, but is a far better product on warm season. It's good for certain things like fairy ring on cool season, but as far as a broad spectrum, it ain't the greatest CMI. So you've got a better combo. So that's the only thing I would say. It'd be interesting for somebody to FAFO with the sheet on warm season and flip it around. That'd be cool. Actually, or you could do uh, it. <laughs> you know, uh, Evie, the reason why. Like, for example, I don't even talk about propiconazole anywhere is because in a lot of cases, I basically cannot use it on warm season fine turf. I just cannot use it at all. And the reason why I cannot use it is because propiconazole is such a strong PGR on warm season turf. 
It's a strong one. Yeah. And the problem that I have is that I have to keep in mind that I'm also trying to get turf to recover and grow out of whatever's wrong with it. And I also have to do that at times when I don't have high growth potential as well. So me blasting propiconazole and turning it orange is not exactly a good idea for me. Whereas what I find happening with that low rate of triadimophon applied in Armada is that there is not enough triadimophon in there, for example, to cause negative effects on growth. And then likewise, my preference, if I were to reach for a bottle of straight DMI to tank mix something, is actually myclobutanil. That's my preference, because myclobutanil tends to play well with low-cut warm-season grasses overall. In fact, you can do myclobutanil on a warm-season golf green and not have adverse effects. It's, you're okay with it, whereas you do that with propiconazole, and there's a specific warning regarding its potential growth-regulating effects on short-cut cool-season grasses, I mean warm-season grasses. So there's a, yep. you're right, there is a certain difference in terms of what's used, whereas I found that as far as the DMIs go, what if I told you folks that before there was a such thing as lexicon, I used to use a lot of Insignia DF, Ryan. I used to use tons of that mm. as yeah. a base for a tank mix. I mean, uh, pageant mm-hmm. for container plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pyrocostrobin came on the market. I can remember that very distinctly. 2003 and everybody Mm -hmm. was ready to kick heritage to the curb and say you're old you're washed up you caused dollar spot i don't want to see anymore and they apps sold the absolute shit out of the fact that it was a dollar spot suppression right that was the easiest sell in the world was that hey i have got a stroby and guess what it doesn't cause dollar spot it suppresses dollar spot that was the entire pitch that's all they had to say everybody was like thousand dollars a case give me five yeah let's go no ryan i never bought that that point i never bought that line because whenever i used uh insignia i always tank mixed aliton thiophanate methyl or eagle 20 ew in that tank mix i never counted on insignia for dollar spot never and it does okay yeah, you got to spray it okay, clean, but... and there's, I mean, we can go on all day. All right. Oh, go ahead. One thing I was just going to say about uh, uh, fame is is the reason why you don't hear it talked about a lot is the cost. Um, it's just incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, effective, so, yes, for, real for a, a stripper learn, but what were you going to say? I did find, so uh, I kind of switched it around. So I just changed it to be, um, sorted by the cheapest price I found. So that could be, um, that's going to be like, you know, the smallest, cheapest bottle pretty much that I could find for if a homeowner wants to get into this product. I don't care how many 
how small of an area it's going to cover this is the cheapest mm-hmm. cheapest product that I could find. Um, uh, a little bit to the left there, J Pink. There you go. Um, so you could see it, it makes sense why a lot of these are the ones that we hear about. The cheapest mm-hmm. is Propconazole, then Eagle, then Pillar mm-hmm. G, then Heritage. You know, the next one up was actually Fame, but it was Fame uh, G. So mm-hmm. the liquid fame I could find like uh, fame SC, I believe is the liquid version. Yes. That's around like yes. 300 bucks, I think for a gallon, I want to say, um, which I mean, you say 300 bucks. That's OK. That's immediately jumping much higher. But um, yeah, the for, granular version, high rate I cost could... per thousand. OK, yeah, let's look at that. That I mean. And then even that, even that point, I don't know. Is it on your sheet? Let me go back and look. Is your co- cost per thousand and the cost per day, right? So like there, there's another. Whole I don't thing. have cost per day. Again, it's a sliding scale. Yep. You do? No, I I do not. Where? Let's see it. He's, oh, yeah, he said he does not. Well, and it depends. He doesn't right? have because the cost per day. Yeah. You could. I would do high rate cost per thousand because. The majority of the time, you know, th- yeah, this is going to be going out at, at the high rate. And we can uh, FAFO with some costs here per day. Hold on. Okay, so Pillar, Trinity Insignia, like 1340 is your high cost. You're going to get easily, easily 21 days out of that. You're probably going to get 28, no problem. There you go. It's actually slightly different for the, for the high rate. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Uh, Pro Star, Pro Star is a specialty. I wouldn't worry about that. Disarm and Fame. I'm not spraying that by itself. Okay, let's let's look at Lexicon here. Lexicon mm. is a 28 day fucking lights out, no problem. You can kiss my ass, and I'll go to I'll leave Hawaii and go to Louisville for a week, and not have to worry <laughs> about anything for three more after I come back. Right, Ray? That's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, and if in a pinch, I will say the same after an application of either Armada or Exteris, because Evie has seen it. Uh, I dropped that Exteris, and next thing you know, he's seeing me sitting down in the back with a glass of Blanton's in my hand. True story, right, Evie? <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, so you look at something like Propiconazole here. And like this high rate, so nine dollars and twenty five cents at the four ounce rate. Let me tell you what I've been I've been taking care of grass for I don't know a long time twenty six years of my life. Never in my life have I ever sprayed a four ounce rate of propicon. Has anybody here sprayed a four ounce rate of propiconazole on purpose? Mm-hmm. Cool I have, but not yeah. on purpose. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, you should see that mixed with T-Nex. That is taking your that that is. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that that that's that was that was that was uh, Bill Kreuzer's graduate study. Like, all right, let's see if we can blow this nuclear reactor up. You know, let's let's put the four ounce rate <laughs> and the uh, the twenty or whatever thirty two ounce rate of T-Nex in all together at once. And God, that's not that's, on purpose. That's heavy but stuff. It has all right, so. And I three x to rate a Primo one time on fairways and called a drunk guy at a golf outing who was a Syngenta tech rep. 
freaking the hell out as a 22 year old assistant superintendent that was one of the more interesting conversations i've ever had with anybody in my life that was that was profound remember that forever all right so all this is good um and i think this is something you've shared this in our community um which i'm i know there's like multiple people there's like 10 people looking at this thing right now and just combing through it i'm sure uh and i think this is important a couple things i want to highlight here real quick also from the tactical end and then we're going to jump into the after show here uh the ev after show ev is our uh producer of the after show tonight he's going to come up with some titles <laughs> and uh some videos from maybe long lost past I, I what did i call it in the in the chat uh he's going to come up with the greatest shits not the greatest hits but the greatest shits because ev is an encyclopedia of really bad uh long care youtube channels uh <laughs> even the ones that say they like us but they really don't and make fun of us on their tubes so it is what it is um all right so two things i want to talk about real quick uh jay pink can you put up that nozzle photo real quick and i know this was a question that came in maybe in the discord maybe in the chat i can't remember actually i think it was in the discord so there was a nozzle thing i think i sent you jay pink did i not maybe maybe uh... maybe i did the yellow, the stuff that's the blue, the blue and yellow. Oh, here it is. Picture from eight thirty four p.m. Yep. Hmm. All right. Okay. So a couple of things, and this is going to be near and dear to Ray's heart. Matt sprays out of a permagreen. He doesn't care anything about this. So I don't give a fuck. I love you, Matt. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's paper is like all yellow. Yes. He could. Po- he could probably pee. And, and cover better than that permagreen <laughs> all i love you too. yes don't take this as an indictment all right so uh a couple of things i want to talk about is uh do i water it in or not and before we get to that is nozzle selection because that's the first thing that happens then we figure out if we water it in or not all right so interesting slide here this is all the same rate this is 1.1 gallons per thousand square feet right so your normal backpack sprayer typically going to go about one gallon per thousand square feet on average, right? You should calibrate before you spray. And this is the reason why, because you need to know not only how much water to deliver, but also what your coverage is going to be like. So this is four different nozzles at the same rate. So letter A is what's called a raindrop nozzle. Normally, we're going to see this in like an ag type setting. You're not going to really see it too often in turf. B is uh, kind of a, a, a more refined version of the rain, raindrop nozzle which is called a turf jet nozzle. This is a big fisheye nozzle. You'll see these sold. Actually, I think Pete sells these as sort of like a, a, a fan tip that go on some of the, the turfware. It's, or it's some the, the permagreen others, nozzle. Like, uh, sprayer spreaders. The it's sandals. the permagreen tip. Yeah, permagreen uh-huh. tip okay, it's the right permagreen there. nozzle. B. Okay. Okay, and, and it's fine. I mean, it, I, use, I use this a lot, and you can see the difference in coverage right there, you know, in terms of the size of the droplets and everything like that and their coverage. What this is doing, so this paper is is water-sensitive paper. You can buy this on Gemplers. You can buy this a couple of different places. Just look for water-sensitive paper if you ever want to test out your sprayer. And this is way more accurate than spraying it over top of, like, concrete or asphalt and just kind of seeing what it does. Like, the pavement's all wet, but you actually see your coverage on this because it's all yellow, and then the water stains the paper blue, and you can see what your coverage is. So letter C down here is actually uh this is the xr tip right so this is the 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 standard flat fan tip that's right here at 1.1 gallons per thousand then d is the air inducted nozzle so 
Again, those air inducted nozzles are going to take in a little bit of a gulp of air through a venturi. Then they're going to get down to the ground. They're going to explode and kind of create that effect where in a windy environment, theoretically, the droplets don't drift quite as much, but they still produce coverage reasonably uh, similar to what you would see in letter C over here with the flat fan. Okay. All that being said, nozzle selection is key because depending on what kind of coverage we have is going to really affect how well our fungicide works or not, number one. Number two, our rate or our carrier volume is also very, very important, right? So if we spray too little and we don't get good enough coverage, we're not going to get the same type of efficacy. Um, the other thing here too, and we'll talk about the watering in, in a minute, but Ray, any thoughts or feelings about different fungicide applications and nozzles here? uh in a, in a short couple minute segment here okay if you are applying a fungicide that is directed to the soil because you're dealing with a disease that originates in the soil then i consider the coverage on cards a and b acceptable if i'm dealing with the disease that is leaf and stolen based like a leaf spot, a dollar spot, then I'm looking at coverage on the cards C and D. And one note about that, car that coverage on card D. Here's what happens uh -huh. if, say, you take that same nozzle or that same nozzle type and you up the gallonage or the volume per thousand square foot to say two to 2.5 gallons per thousand. Do you know what happens to the yellow spaces between those mm -hmm. blue marks? They close up. Please that, tell me. That, that, yeah. At 2.5 gallons, that paper on card D would be almost completely blue. And that, and the other thing that's really important too. Go ahead. Okay, because what I'm actually looking for is the other thing that I'm considering on turf grass is I'm also thinking what is the height and the density of the grass that I'm treating? Because I know I deal with three primary types ah. of grass where I'm at, where I'm dealing with either St. Augustine or Zoysia grass or low-cut Bermuda. And the way I need to treat those three grasses is different because they all are of different densities. So what I'm looking at here is, again, think about how denser grass is. Think about your height of cut. And think about which disease you're targeting. Because if your disease is more soil-borne and you need to water in your application anyway, then I would consider the coverage on cards A and B acceptable. Hey, get that application down, hit mm -hmm. the irrigation right now, get it down. But if you're talking about, again, no. a disease that is on the leaves, on the stems of the grass, on the crowns of the grass, mm -hmm. then I'm looking at the coverage on card C and D as what you should aspire to. 
And what were you going to say, Ryan? Hundred <laughs> percent. No, I, uh, that's all. That's all perfect. And I think there's this just shows, especially for and really we could do this whole show, the same run it back on herbicides, like it's the, mm-hmm. that complex and nuanced. Fungicides maybe a little bit more because it's very weather dependent and things like that, species dependent, but species weather dependent all that kind of stuff all plays into herbicides too warm and cool season it gets very weird very quickly so again mm-hmm. what is what is uh the matt martin saying i'm having a flashback to covid times and curfs up radio oversimplification is devaluation right what, what is that is that the saying is it mm-hmm. matt martin yeah. <laughs> is it have is you it? blocked out all those turf up radio times? Was that a, was that a stuff? Oh, that's it. I thought you said, "Is that it?" I thought no, you no, were no, blocking no, that's out it. all that turf up radio time because it was such a ter- terrible time in your life. No, actually, not because of turf, I, I not, not because it. of anything else personally, but because of turf up radio. Oh, it was fun as hell. It, it, it was, dude. Yeah, coming home at three I o'clock had, and turn on Matt Martin on it. the on the stream. Fuck yeah, <laughs> it was, it was. All right, Evie. I, we got I do to have a little one bit of time here question. at the end. What, what, what questions do you have? Dude. Yes. So um, right now I am using Armada. So I did, um, I'm going out uh, one and a half ounces, which is a high rate. And um, from Ray's Info, that's getting me roughly 28 days of coverage. So with our season, mm-hmm. Just the other day, it might. I always kind of figure it's right around mid to late May. I start seeing leaf spot. This year, it happened actually because I suspect because of the smoke coming down from Canada that actually clouded us for a couple of days um, and made the environmental conditions right. Canada, um, <laughs> the true <laughs> Canada, but. Um, that uh, the, so if I get 28 days of coverage from three apps, uh, that's like roughly almost 90 days. So that's getting me all the way until essentially seeding window. So it gets me through any leaf spot and brown patch. Um, and then fall, really, the only thing I have to worry about at that point is like really rust, which I'm not necessarily a whole lot worried about. So how um, oh, nice. my question is. Since I used it all last year and I have it on hand again, should I be rotating it with some other form, or does that matter? Like you're, it's a, it's a combo product. I, you're I you're attacking running... two sites, so yeah. you know you you already yes. the, the the that's the big advantage there. So instead yeah. of necessarily rotating, if you wanted to add something to it, I that would be what I would do because three. Sites of action is going to be 83 times less likely to be uh, subjected to resistance, right? So I- instead of rotating away from it, the uh, you know your less your least likely probability of encountering resistance would be adding another AI to it or another frac code. I yeah, well, I have no problem with you doing that. What I do have a problem with is like Ron saying, "Hey." Because you're spraying Armada, you know what you need to rotate to? Pillar SC. Go ahead and Ed get that way, Pillar yeah. SC. And, and way G. You're not rotating anything. Or like, headway. If you're, just, yeah, if you're, you're just going wearing, from 3 to 11. If you're wearing 11, something 11. out. Yeah. 
if you're we're, wearing something out, just fucking do it. Like, don't need to buy another product. That's dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. And what I have to tell you about that Armada product is that overall, it tends to cover most diseases very well, except for Pissium. Yeah. And in talking to people, because of the type of turf grass that they're growing, they are at high risk for Pissium. I su- suggest to them that Armada is their base, and they then incorporate something like a phosphate-based fungicide to cover for that Pisium risk. Yep. You know, that's the, only, that's the only thing I would do. And in fact, I do it for myself, where if I'm entering a period of high disease risk, there's 311 and a phosphite in the tank. That just happens. I don't wait for that pisium to come out because phosphate-based fungicides are preventative for pisium, not necessarily curative. So that's how I would I would do it. If I were looking to add, I would add a phosphate. To um, I haven't necessarily seen. I mean, I think what we established right there in that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I haven't necessarily seen Pythium. Um, I was going to say two two other things that I just thought of no. um, with talking about Armada. Oh. Um, one, Ray, maybe since you are the one that suggested it, if you can touch on why you think that's an advantage product over, say, Headway or Pillar that use the same modes of action. But then two, okay. if you were to add, an, an, you know, you said potentially adding one other fungicide. Um, is there any one in particular that you would think to add to it? Um, I mean, one that mm-hmm. I'm looking just by scrolling through that kind of stands out is Velista. Wow. Yes. I would actually go there. That's if, fucking strong. Yeah. Th- th- that, that, is, that is the mean mix because you see Velista covers your dollar spot extremely well now you're asking why i am a triadimaphon fanboy and that is because out of all of the dmis that is actually one of the most persistent of course that is why the epa doesn't like triadimaphon is because of its persistence but if I had to throw in a third, not for Pisium, Velista would be one. Another one would be Exemplar. The, you know, the part A of Lexicon that makes it so good. I mean, I, w- I would go there. Uh, what I wouldn't do is I would not be playing around with thiophanate methyl because thiophanate methyl anyway is about to go away as well. So we're not going to have that that's, for much longer. That's because, 3336 for people that Yeah, that's clearly 3336. I mean, farewell, I, old friend. I know friend. I have that on hand, but yeah, mm-hmm. if it's going yeah. away, then you're kind of, that's not even yeah. worth considering. Yeah. 
yeah, don't count on it because let's look at what thiophenic missile actually works on the uh, EV for a sec. Let's scroll down to where thiophenic missile is for a second. And I mean, like one of the ones towards the bottom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And let's look back towards the other diseases. Scroll all the way to the left there, J Pink. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I've always said is that thalfenate missile is passable as a dollar spot fungicide. Passable. It can be your out if you have gray leaf spot. But the problem with thalfenate missile in residential and landscape lawns is the strict limitations on its usage rates. Because when you're applying to a residential or landscape lawn, you are literally limited to the lowest labeled rates versus, oh, thalfenate methyl was actually the fungicide back in the 1990s that I went through pounds of, pounds of it. And the reason why I went through pounds of it is because back then, that was the only effective fungicide for take-all patch that was affecting Bermuda grass. It was the only one that worked mm. and worked without creating collateral damage because one would say, oh, let's light it up with propiconazole. Don't do that on shortcut Bermuda. Don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then Look I mean, at, there's there's so much we didn't even get to. I'll go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Shit. Yeah, yeah. But then, thalfenate methyl has its use cases. However, what I always advise people is, this is a product that you do not use willy nilly as a broad spectrum fungicide because it is not that. That is not what it's for. Because you know, when I heard that advice to let's misuse uh, headway, let's misuse pillar, and then when that stops working for us, go to go to thirty three thirty six. That advice just made me cringe. Okay, <laughs> I was literally squirming in my seat when I heard that. <laughs> Have you seen our PNL? We got to make some better choices on which products are pushing. All right, folks. Sorry. <laughs> I listen. There is so much that we could still cover on this topic: disease identification, uh, spray volumes for different products, watering it. I would love to do this again, and I know we should. Yet this summer, so I think we're mm -hmm. going to have Evie back on just because uh, one, all four of us, and I say this with all the terms of endearment possible, we are all fucking nerds. I think the other thing that we can say definitively, absolutely, and Matt will, I think, will agree with me, and maybe Ray to a certain extent, is that the only reason that Evie got that leaf spot infection because of the clouds from Canada is because Driver didn't build the wall on the border. It's all his fault. With that, ladies and gentlemen, come join us on the after show, <laughs> www.patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Get on over there. Matt, what were you going to say? Fuck you, Driver? Uh, he's, he, he cloud seeded, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know, I know what he's. Yes. I know what he's doing with chemtrails. No doubt about it. Yep, he's a pilot, uh, right? uh, dude. Yep. There's no doubt about it. He's getting illegals across the border. 
with the jet engines. It's happening. Oh no, he's, right. a, he's a bus After pilot. Show it's EV show to run. <laughs> Come join for some fun. Fuck you, driver. <laughs> hey, supernova, go fuck yourself. <laughs>